Well, I'm no stranger to food. And I didn't realize this was as heavy as it is. I intentionally moved this over here this morning. Um, I want our focus this morning to be on this table. Directly following this, or maybe later this evening at the aunt's, you'll gather around the table. You'll gather around a table with family, with friends, and you'll break bread together. Something maybe we do around a table, maybe once a week or maybe every day. I'm not sure what it is for you, but at least once a week, we can gather together as the people of God around the table of God. May come as a surprise to you that, that Jesus was friends with some Pharisees. Back at the end of chapter 11 in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner on the Sabbath. This might seem like a small detail, but it's actually pretty significant. Being invited to someone's house for dinner was a way to climb up the social ladder. But being invited for the Sabbath meal meant you were almost family. We usually think of the Pharisees as the opposition. But Jesus didn't always behave that way. In chapter 12, we find Jesus in the synagogue healing a woman with a bent back on the Sabbath. Could have been a week after he had dinner with the Pharisee, or it could have been another Sabbath. But Luke seems to be organizing his story around these Sabbath events. The Pharisees always seem to be somewhere in the picture. We know that, that some of the Pharisees cared about Jesus, because at the end of chapter 13, they come to warn him about Herod, and that Herod wants to kill him. As much as, as we want to see them as enemies, these Pharisees are behaving remarkably like friends, but not all of them. It's become, becoming clearer and clearer that the Pharisees are looking for a way to trap Jesus. They're watching him. That brings us to Luke chapter 14 this morning of Luke's gospel. We pick up the story on a third Sabbath day. And in this, this one combines the activities of the other two Sabbaths that Luke has described. Jesus has healed someone. And now he's at another Pharisee's house for dinner. Not just any Pharisee. The host of this Sabbath meal is a leader. 
So this morning, let's turn to chapter 14 in Luke's gospel. I'm going to read verse 1 and then verses 7 to 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come to you and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down at the lowest place. So low at when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit there at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. According to Luke, Jesus enjoys food. I just said moments ago, I too enjoy food. I'm sure you enjoy food. There are more references to eating, banquets, and being at the table in Luke than any other gospel. Luke's my kind of man, but he's also a doctor, a physician. So here we find Jesus at a meal in a Pharisee's home, and as is his habit, Jesus is teaching while everyone eats. And his teaching is based on what he observes and his students. Jesus was not giving a lesson in table manners here. He was explaining for the people gathered at the Pharisees' table just how different the rules are in the kingdom of God. To understand just how radical this teaching was, we need to remember the social system that was in place at the time. It was a system of patronage where honor and favors were the currency. As a benefactor, favors owed to you by others gave you a higher ranking in society. Mealtime was often the place where status was on display. Guests of honor sat near the host. If you were less important, you sat farther away. If you didn't matter at all, you weren't even invited. But Jesus had a different idea for the way things ought to work. By now we should be familiar with Luke's focus on turning expectations upside down. As Jesus watched the guests at the Pharisee's house jockeying for good positions at the table, he saw a double teaching opportunity 
and he grabbed it. First, he addressed the guests. He reminded them of the advice found in Proverbs, actually. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of that of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. This is from Proverbs. While this was practical social advice for his listeners, it included a reminder that the people present at the table belonged to God, not to Rome. Jesus was reinforcing their identity as children of Israel. The Roman practice of self-promotion did not fit well with the, the prophet Micah's reminder to walk humbly with your God. Within a few years, the early church would be singing a hymn that we find in Paul's letter to the Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in every nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That name is Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Knowing what we know about social customs of the time and recognizing any self-respecting Pharisee would invite to a dinner only those who he could consider at least equals. One has to wonder what Jesus was doing there in the first place. But it's also possible that in this particular Pharisee did in fact consider Jesus at least an equal. Jesus had demonstrated a keen understanding of scripture and had been an effective teacher in synagogues wherever he traveled. He also certainly had a following. The leader of the Pharisees may have even seen Jesus a step up the social ladder from himself. But this system of patronage that was all about improving one's social status was exactly what Jesus came to challenge. Jesus had no intention of letting his host off the hook when it came to table manners in the kingdom of God. You're inviting the wrong people, Jesus told him, by including only friends, only family, and, and those who can advance your status. You are no better than these guests 
who are fighting over the best seat in the house. You're trying to make yourself look good by surrounding yourself with important people while you ignore the very ones who should be enjoying your hospitality. You see, the Pharisees and the Pharisees' guests might have thought they were just behaving according to social expectations of their time, but those expectations pointed back to human need. It's something we all experience. It's something we all want. We need to belong. We need to know our place in the world is secure. We want to be recognized. We want to feel like we matter in the world, that we have something to offer, that we're important, at least to someone. We need to feel accepted. We need to feel loved. The social climbing and jockeying for positions of importance Jesus saw around the Pharisees' table don't seem that much different from what we experience today. People still feel the need to justify their standing in the community or the organization. We long to belong. We crave being accepted. It, it happens in the schoolyard. It happens in the workplace. It happens any place people gather in groups. It happens in the church. Whether we want to admit it or not, we like to impress others with the work we do for the church, the positions of leadership we hold, how often we show up, how much we put in the offering plate, how much we pray, how well we know the Bible. We like to impress people with our righteousness. But Jesus says, you don't need to try and impress anyone with your righteousness. The only one whose opinion you, the only one whose opinion of you matters is God's. And he knows your heart. He knows how far short of his righteousness you really fall. And he loves us anyways. So to the guests, Jesus says, don't see yourself too high. Too high up at the table. But take the lowest place. Show the kind of humility that honors God. And to the hosts, Jesus says, don't invite those who can repay you, but those who can't. Instead of looking for ways to look down on people, to consider them as less important than you are. Find ways to lift others up. Stand beside them. In our culture, just as in Jesus' day, the division between the aristocracy and the peasantry, between the wealthy and between the poor, between the powerful and the powerless, is seen as a distinction between better and less than. This instantly assumes a level of privilege the host holds over the guest. And as much as we'd like to avoid this, 
Jesus sees and names a cultural expectation that we cannot ignore. Christ calls us to live in a radically countercultural way, leveling the field for all God's children. Jesus teaches the guests of the Pharisees and their hosts that they cannot stop trying to make themselves seem more important because they're already important in God's eyes. Jesus teaches us how to be both a humble guest and a gracious host by his own example. We're all at the same table. Jesus is our host and he's also our guest. And outlive your life. Max Lucado writes, long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. Even a casual reading of the New Testament unveils the house as the primary tool of the church. The primary gathering place of the church was the home. Consider the genius of God's plan. The first generation of Christians was a tinderbox of contrasting cultures and backgrounds. At least 15 different nationalities heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Jews stood next to Gentiles. Men worshipped with women. Slaves and masters alike sought after Christ. Can people of such, a varied, such varied backgrounds and cultures get along with each other? The early church did. Without the aid of sanctuaries and church buildings, clergy or seminaries, they did so through the clearest of messages, the cross and the simplest of tools, the home. Not everyone can serve in a foreign land, lead a relief effort or volunteer at a downtown soup kitchen, but who can't be hospitable? Do you have a front door, a table, chairs, bread and meat for sandwiches? Congratulations. You just qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries, hospitality. Something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen in a sanctuary. In a church auditorium, you see the backs of heads. Around the table, you see the expressions on faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock. Around the table, there is time to talk. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. It's no accident that hospitality and hospital hospital come from the same Latin word, for they both lead to the same result. Healing. When you open your door to someone, you're sending this message. You matter to me 
and to God. You may think you're saying, come over for a visit. But what your guest hears is, I'm worth the effort. And that was Max Lucado, Outlive Your Life. As host, Jesus invites us who do not deserve his grace to sit in the place of honor. As a guest, he shows true humility, taking on the identity of a servant, placing himself at the lowest place for our sake. We are both host and guest to Jesus as well. We invite him into our lives and we also find our place at his table, receiving his grace. Either way, the the role we take needs to be centered in true humility, not the false humility that barely hides hides our neediness to be loved and, and find acceptance, but the kind of humility that rests in knowing we already are loved beyond our ability to comprehend it. As we accept Christ's invitation, to join him at the table, the kingdom of God. We must admit, we're only there by grace. We don't deserve such grace. We aren't any better than anyone else because of it. Taking our place at the bottom of the table where we know We belong if we really are honest. Allows us to respond with joy when Jesus, our host, taps us on the shoulder. Says, what are you doing down here? Come up and sit by me. Come sit by me. In God's kingdom, the expectations for both guest and host are the same. Whether you're inviting Jesus into your life or accepting his gracious invitation to join him at his feast, your place at the table is neither too high or too low because your place at the table is right next to Jesus. Each and every one of us right next to Jesus. The table. So come. Come to the table. And as you accept gracious invitation, offer yours to him. Invite Jesus into your life and take your place beside him, church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for who you are. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for playing guest and host. Lord God, we thank you that 
as we come to the kingdom table, where we really don't belong and don't deserve to be there, we're there and, and you tap us on the shoulder and you say, come sit by me. Lord God, help us to be people of hospitality. One of the most ancient forms of ministry, to love the stranger, to invite them in. Lord God, this morning, help us to be your people. Your people are people of kingdom love people of kingdom hospitality. It's only by your grace, Lord God, around your table with your invitation. Thank you and we praise you for who you are. We pray these things in your son's name. His name is Jesus. Amen. I don't...